In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, it's hard for us to understand what Jesus is saying in the Gospel reading today because we we don't have the tools to understand it any longer. We've lost those tools many decades ago, some would argue centuries ago, with the different philosophical ideologies that have kind of crept into the world and that we have all been formed by, it's hard for us to understand what Jesus is really saying here, and I will do my best to help you understand it. Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he says, tries to flatter him. No one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. You must be a great man. And Jesus does not entertain that at all. So that's just the first thing that we want to establish about our Lord. He does not, he's not easily taken in, or he's not at all taken in by flattery. He just goes right to the point, and he says to Nicodemus, unless one is born anew, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What is he saying here? So Nicodemus does not understand what he's saying. Nicodemus says, how can a man be born when he's old? Is he supposed to go into his mother's womb again and be born? There's a reason why Nicodemus asks this question. The word in Greek that's translated into English as anew, to be born anew, in Greek, the original word can mean two different things. One is to be born again, as in a second time. The other word means to be born from above in a new way, from on high, as in from God. That's what Jesus means, the latter one. Unless one is born from on high, unless one is born from within the life of God, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And yet, Nicodemus takes it in the first sense, unless one is born again. And so he asks the question, does one have to enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? We tend to think like that. We tend to think like Nicodemus. We tend to think in materialistic ways. To be born for us simply means to come from the womb in a physical manner. And so it becomes really hard for us to understand when Jesus is telling us, no, you must be born from on high. You must be born from within the life of God. And yet that's exactly what happens in our baptism. John the Baptist, says in the Gospel of John. John the Baptist says, I baptize with water for repentance. One is coming after me who is greater than me, whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with fire and the Spirit. And what he means is he makes a distinction between his own baptism and the baptism of Jesus. John's baptism is merely symbolic. It's a symbol of repentance. When when John the Baptist was baptizing people, they would confess their sins. They would go into the water and come up out of the water, much like a Christian baptism, and yet it would do nothing in reality. The reality of that one person would not change because it was just a symbol. I've given this example before, maybe not in a homily, I've given it before in a class. When we see a stop sign, the stop sign itself is just a symbol, and it's indicating something to us. The stop sign is telling us, 
this is the place where you have to stop your car. And then we go and proceed and hit the brakes and we stop our cars there right at the stop sign. But the stop sign does not cause the car to stop because the stop sign doesn't have any material power. It doesn't have any cause and effect relationship with reality. It doesn't really do anything except indicate to our minds what to do and then we go and do it. John the Baptist's baptism was like a stop sign. It was just a mere symbol. It was telling the people, participate in this sign, participate in this symbol for the sake of repentance and now go on from this and live as repentant people. Now go on from this and live in a new way where you dedicate your lives to God. Beautiful, that's great. Symbols do that. Symbols are very powerful. We have all, you, you can even say our entire reality is, uh, in a sense, formed by symbols. But Jesus' baptism is infinitely more than a symbol. In Jesus' baptism, the stop sign actually makes our car stop. It actually causes our car to stop because the symbol actually does in reality what it symbolizes. And I will try to explain this. When we are baptized as infants or as adults, when we are baptized, the priest pours water on our head three times and he says, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. What, it, what that's symbolizing is that we are being we are going into the waters to die to our old lives, and we are coming up out of the waters into new life. We are being born anew. We are being born from within the life of God. Now, we are being born into the life of the Blessed Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Our sins are wiped away through the cleansing waters and the Holy Spirit comes into our souls to elevate us into the life of God. All that's being symbolized in the sacrament of baptism, but because it's a Christian sacrament, what it's symbolizing is actually happening in reality. The symbol is causing the reality to happen. The stop sign is causing the car to stop. So it's not just a symbol. And Jesus says, this is what must happen if one is to enter the kingdom of God. Beautiful. Every one of us is baptized, so we thank God for that. It's a great gift we take for granted. It's a grace that God has given us by incorporating us into his life. It is a sign of the world to come for every one of us. That we have been baptized into the life of God means that in all of eternity, in, in eternity in heaven, we're going to be living within the life of God, which St. Paul says, I has not seen nor ear heard what God has in store for all of those who believe in him. <clears throat> all that's beautiful. When we receive the Spirit of God in baptism, we are given the gifts of the Spirit. We are given gifts from on high to do in us things that we cannot do on our own. It is a power which empowers us to do stuff far beyond what it, we are capable of doing on our own. God works in us. This is why Jesus says to the disciples, 
when they're very impressed by the things that he's doing. They're very impressed by his miracles, by his healings, by his words, by all the stuff that he's doing. Jesus says to the disciples, you will do even greater works than these. And that's because of this, the grace that comes with baptism in the Spirit of God that's given to us in that sacrament. So, because of that sacrament, we are given virtues that we are not able to attain on our own. However, it's not something that happens automatically. It's something that we have to tap into also. There's a word in theology that's a play on the word energy. The word energy is a Greek word originally. And that word means a kind of force being imposed on an object. That's what energy is. And you can imagine that even in, even in English, it means something very similar. There's a word that's a cognate of it. It's called synergy. Synergy is when two energies, two sources of energy, are working coherently with one another. Two sources of energies are working in tandem with one another, together. They're working together at the same time, simultaneously. The fathers of the church have used this word synergy to describe the Christian life. When we're baptized, we're given the Spirit of God. But that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit, that God himself, is going to do all the work for us. He's not. He's going to initiate all the work. He's going to be the giver of the capacity to do any of the work. Jesus says, you can do nothing good outside of me, without me. But that doesn't mean that he's going to do it alone. St. Augustine says, God created us without us, but God cannot save us without us. And this means that all the stuff that God wants to do in our hearts, in our souls, in our lives, all the things that God wants to work in us, we have to cooperate with him. And so it becomes this synergistic action that's taking place. God is working in us, and we are cooperating with the work of God, and God and us are working together in our lives and in all, this, all the things that we are doing. When we're given the Spirit of God in baptism, we're given the Spirit to live the virtues of Jesus Christ and to continue his life in this world since he has ascended into heaven. But he can't do it alone. And so I'm going to focus just on one virtue that's given to us that I think we're especially lacking in today's world. And I think that we need to kind of revitalize in our lives. Fortitude, the virtue of fortitude, which is the virtue of perseverance or endurance. In today's world, we have all the reason, all the excuses, and all the ability to give up on one thing and move on to the next thing. It's the easiest thing to do because we live in a world that's so much divided and we live in a world that has so many options that we can always move from one thing to the next and never really get bored. People in, the, people in the world before the Industrial Revolution, for example, they didn't have this option. They had to be farmers, 
And whether they liked it or not, this is what they had to do simply to eat. And they had to get used to it. And there's a virtue there. There's a good thing that comes from that. There is a good thing that comes with sticking it out and doing the same thing no matter how hard it is, and then gaining the virtues that come with fulfilling that occupation. In today's world, it's very easy for us to move, for example, from one job to another job, from one diet to another diet, from one form of exercise to another form of exercise, from one relationship to another relationship, from one group of friends to another group of friends, from one social media platform to another social media platform, from one school to another, and so on and so forth. It's the easiest thing to do, and the world has provided the means to do it because it makes money off of this stuff. Yet, what's lost in all this is a great virtue that without, without which life is not fully and truly lived. The virtue of fortitude, of perseverance, of sticking it out. The most probably awful uh, form of this is rampant numbers of divorce in our, in our society now, even in our own community. Today, people will extend all kinds of definitions of various things and divorce for very, very easy reasons. Of course, in you know, cases like severe abuse or something, it's understandable, some things like that. But that's extended out very, very, very wide and far, and people will divorce simply because they don't feel good about the relationship any longer. That's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. People will divorce or give up on various aspects of their lives that is pretty clear it's good to continue to do, and they'll give up on it because it's hard, or because it's uncomfortable, or because it's no longer satisfying. The virtue that's lost with giving up really easily is damaging to the human heart. And the virtue that would be gained if we were to stick things out a little bit longer and to push through and to continue to do the right thing no matter how hard it is, the virtue that's gained from that is a character that can't be bought with anything except for time spent. And yet this is one of the virtues that the Spirit of God gives us in the sacrament of baptism that I think we're no longer tapping into. Somebody very recently asked me, they were talking about their life and how difficult it is right now with their family and many things going on with their family, their, their immediate family, their extended family, their career, their, all these things. And they said, they asked me, they said, what am I supposed to do right now? I, I feel like I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing in front of God and yet nothing is changing. And I said, sometimes God just wants us to stick it out and that's it and then he's going to do it. That's the virtue that I'm talking about. Not always being in the rush to do something to fix every, every problem in our lives and find a solution to every issue. Sometimes it's good to just persevere. Brothers and sisters, if we can do that, we are cooperating a lot more often with the grace of God since God works in our lives very slowly. And if we cooperate more with the grace of God, then we will do greater things. Not in the way that we're used to, which is fast-paced, but in the way that God is used to doing it, which is through time. Time has this tendency to give God the space to do much greater things in our lives than we would do if we were to rush through them. And so, 
Let's remember our baptismal vows. Let's remember the grace that has been given to us in baptism and ask God that his spirit will work in us and that he will give us the grace that we can cooperate with everything that he does, even if sometimes it feels like we're not doing anything at all. Amen.